Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into a consistent income. Today, I'm joined by my producer, Eric Johnson. Eric, how are you doing today? Jeremy, I'm fantastic. What is going on with you? Uh, let's see here. I'm getting ready to go on spring break. So a oh. lot of people are probably listening to this well after spring break, but it is cold in Wisconsin, and I'm looking forward to 90 degrees in Florida next week. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's, I'm a little jealous, I'll be honest. <laughs> Can't blame you. Can't blame you. But you're, you're, you're busy uh, in your life. I heard you're doing some stuff around the house, and that's, that's important, too. Oh yeah, no, getting getting lots of things done, and you know those those colder days, that's a great day to stay inside and work on the house. <laughs> yeah, yep, that's for sure. Good. Well, speaking of uh, getting things done, at some point people need to get their retirement planning done, and uh, that's what we like to do here is talk about mm-hmm. retirement planning. I went down. Speaking of Florida, I went down back in uh, January, so a few months back here was at a conference, the Investments and Wealth Institute conference on retirement planning and just met an amazing number of people, some of the top experts in the field, and somebody that was giving one of the keynote presentations. Uh, I seen him, met him a few years earlier, love everything he's doing. His name's Moshe Molesky, and he had a book called The Seven Most Important Equations for Your Retirement. I was excited he was speaking. I own the book, and so I brought the book down, and when he was speaking on that topic, I said, hey, can you uh, sign this for me? So. You know, there's a, I'm a fanboy nice. of finance, I suppose, uh, with Moshe Molesky. <laughs> fanboy of finance. I love that. <laughs> yep, exactly. That's good. So I, I talked to Moshe and he was you know wonderful to talk to, but he started giving his, his presentation. And of course, the book is Seven Most Important Equations for Your Retirement. And he started off saying, this is not really about the equations. It's about the conversations mm. you should be having if you're an advisor with your clients or if you're the person themselves uh, that is retiring, you should be thinking about these things after you hit or as you approach retirement. And to give you a little bit of background, I read another article that was about him. is actually just a conversation in the Retirement Management Journal. And he focused a lot there that when people are approaching retirement, their thought process is basically wrong. I hate to tell everyone you're wrong, but uh, hmm. and I, I, that's usually not the best place to start uh, in any conversation. But he's, he's just a, a great academic talking about retirement and the industry in general. And what he said is that when it comes to retirement planning, the focus is completely wrong. When you are saving for retirement, the focus is all about your wealth, how much money do you have, what's the risk of the stocks going up and down, what are the interest rates, how much... Uh, how much are those interest rates guaranteed, things like that. And there's a whole lot of science and math around different probabilities and formulas and ways to measure all that. We hit retirement and so many people are still thinking in that retirement savings world. They're not thinking of the retirement income world. And all the math that goes into how do you measure your saving situation is completely different. The risk is not if your investments go up and down. The risk is if your income goes up and down. Mm. And it's not just this probability of, you know, you have a 90% chance of this or that. Well, what happens when things go wrong? How much of your income is guaranteed? What he was saying is that you need to uh, focus on those things compared to a lot of times when you are looking at uh, standard deviation, how much is the value of your portfolio? 
What's the probability of the ups and downs in your investments? That was math that was good for you while you were saving and has almost nothing to do with your uh, retirement income, mm. which so it's interesting. And, and you can't blame people. Hey, this is this is what they're giving. You're you're walking into retirement and you're reading all these things and you know the Wall Street Journal or Forbes and you're hearing about it from your retirement softwares. And his his big thought is you're using the wrong math. And so that's what uh, I think his book is about. Is let's let's take a look at the right math uh, on there. I, I like that you you said it's. It's not even about the equations or the, or the math in general. I mean, it, obviously it is because you're, you're basing a lot of that off of there, but it's about those conversations that you're having mm-hmm. and maybe even changing the conversation because of what people have heard. I mean, the, the things that you just said, you know, you're reading it in the Wall Street Journal, you're reading, getting it from all sorts of different sources, but it, it boils down to the relationship and having the conversation. Right. And so you can think of this, so I haven't turned this into a checklist, but maybe by the time we're done talking, this will be the checklist to say, before you hit retirement, have you had this conversation mm-hmm. with your advisor? Have you had Perfect. this conversation with your spouse? Have you had this conversation with yourself uh, even? Yeah. And let me give you a quick example before we switch over to these seven different conversations you should be having when you think of retirement. But let's, let's just think through this. I want to finish this thought that the math you're using is completely wrong. Okay. So many people hit retirement focused on here's how much money I have. I've got a million bucks or whatever it is. And they're worried about, does this million bucks go up or down? And a lot of times people are wanting to preserve the principal. And yet the value of your investments don't matter. The ups and downs of your investments don't matter. It's the income that matters. So let's think through of what's maybe the most guaranteed type of investment you can possibly think of, which is basically CDs and savings accounts in the bank, right? So back in 2007, you could have retired with a million dollars and interest rates there were about four or 5% in 2007. And very quickly later on, the stock market dropped in half and then it did come back up. So about five years it took for the stock market to drop down, come back up to even. And you could look and say, oh my goodness, that is huge volatility. That's huge ups and downs. Your, Your value, if you had the money in the stock market, went down in half. And then came back to even, took it five years to get back to even. Well, what's the alternative? The alternative is you have the money in the bank and it's guaranteed you can't lose. Your million dollars is still a million dollars. The stock market crashed, you didn't lose. But what if you're in retirement? Do you really care about how much money do you have in the bank or what's the income you can get out of that? And the income that you could get on a million dollars in bank type money dropped by 90% within a few months in 2008. Like so quickly, it dropped by 90%. And here we are, 2022, 14 years later, it hasn't come back up. So a lot of people Mm. think of risk, what if I lose money? When in reality for retirement, this is Moshi's point, the reality is, what if you lose your income? And this this is uh, something that seems guaranteed, right? You've got a guaranteed amount in the bank, and yet what matters for your retirement is how much income you can get out of there. And back in 2007 and 2009, that income dropped by 90%. 14 years later, it's still at the same level. Meanwhile, the stock market, which appears more risky, and I'm not saying that the stock market's safe, but he's just trying to give us an example of here's what the situation looks like and how we need to be focused on this income idea as opposed to what's my principal amount. Yeah, that's that's a hard way to think about it. I'll be honest. It's different. It's, it's a lot easier just to see a number on your statement, yeah, right? And to, yeah. to look at that every month. And, and he'll talk about that throughout the, the book that he's, we're going to review, I suppose. Hmm. All right. <laughs> Good. Well, I read the book, love the book, 
Love the equations. I was a physics major in college, so I get most of the equations, or at least the direction he's going. And thank goodness he brought up the idea of these are the conversations because that's what kind of more reality we can talk through. But number one, first conversation you should have about retirement is how long will my money last? And it's interesting, like everyone's kind of asking like how long will my money ask? And it took a, a few years of mathematicians to figure it out. A guy named Fibonacci, I think you might have heard of him, Eric. Uh, Fibonacci actually figured it out. He figured out the equation to say, if I have a specific amount of interest and I have a specific amount of money and I'm taking out a specific amount of money, how long will it take that money to, to draw down to zero? And that's, that's interesting. I love how you started there because that's almost what I see everyone walking in here with. They walk into my office, they've got their Excel spreadsheet and they've got to figure out saying, I've got a million bucks, I'm taking out 50,000 a year. If I get, you know, whatever percent, let's call it 3% or maybe 7%, whatever the number is, if I have this amount of interest, here's how long my money will last. And that's kind of a decent starting point, but it's only the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, a few great points that Moshi brings up is, oh, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, and that's very true. It's it's kind of a math problem, and Fibonacci figured it out. If you get a certain percent and you're taking out a certain amount and you start somewhere, you can figure out it's a, here's exactly how long it will last. But then the question is, do you really know what interest rate you're gonna get, you know? And then another part of it is, do you really know how long you need this to last, mm -hmm. right? So that's, that's a fine starting point, uh, but it just shows exactly why when we have people walking in with the Excel spreadsheet, love that they're trying to figure it out but they make these assumptions and can you really know what your interest rate's gonna be and can you really know how long you're gonna live? This is maybe probably a, a teaser of some other things that we're gonna figure out later on, right? Well, Jimmy, let me, let me ask you this because that spreadsheet, the, the other thing that I'm, I'm thinking about right now, obviously because of the, the time that we're in, is that doesn't exactly account for inflation either because if you, you mentioned $50,000 a year, if somebody's trying to take that out and saying this is what I'm gonna live on every year, are they, is that their true budget, right? I guess is, is the question because with inflation and gas prices going up, food prices going up, and that fluctuates from year mm -hmm. to year. Right now we're, you know, it's rising. So that's definitely going to uh, impact that bottom line. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly it. A, a lot of people forget about the inflation. Uh, a lot of people do. If you're, if you're great enough at Excel where you're putting together a spreadsheet, usually you've got to figure it out to say, here's the amount of inflation, here's the amount of growth. But oh my goodness, when you make assumptions like that, you're adding in so much uncertainty. Yeah. What is your rate of return? And what is the inflation rate? And how long might you live? And even if you get all those right, you will absolutely not see just what you uh, point out. You will not see, oh, inflation is 3% a year for the next 25 years. 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%. Mm. You're not going to see that. Yeah. Or, oh, the stock market got 7% the next 10 years. You're not going to see 7, 7, 7, you know? You'll almost never see the exact averages. It swings up and down and has negatives in there. And just the uh, the ordering of when those returns show up, the negatives that get thrown in there are just huge pieces of uncertainty that get thrown into your retirement. And so you're right on. A lot of people do think that's kind of the the only place. That's, that's where they start. I love this. Moshi starts there. Mm -hmm. And I think what we've discovered while we're talking this out is that so many people, when they approach their own retirement, they end there. Like yeah. they just make 17 assumptions and say it's going to work out based on equation one on that first conversation of how long will my money last. And yet 
there's so much uncertainty, so much ups and downs and things that could go different in, in retirement. You cannot base your entire retirement on an Excel spreadsheet, on a database that you uh, create yourself, at least without running through the next six equations. So let's, let's start doing that. Mm-hmm. So conversation two, how long will I spend in retirement? Which is a really nice say, uh, way to say, how long will I live? Like yeah. How much longer do I have left to live? And it's so interesting, a, a person named Gompertz, never heard of him before, but he's a great person and that he figured out a lot of longevity, probability, mortality, things like that. What Moshe said in his talk, he said, one thing is absolutely clear. Your remaining lifetime is a random variable. It is impossible to predict with certainty how long you will live. And I, you know, that's absolutely true. Of course, he's thrown in a lot of math terms like random variable and mm-hmm. certainty and, and things like that. But, but think about this, what he's encouraging, what Moshe's encouraging us to do is, number one, get the numbers. So many people walk in our office saying, well, what are the odds I'm gonna live to this age? I don't know. Let's look at it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can find you the odds within like two or three minutes. You know, so many people say, well, I'll probably make it to, okay, probably. How'd you figure that out? You can actually look up the odds. There's so many different ways you can look up the odds. I think that's a starting point. And what Moshe encourages us to do in his talk was, okay, you, you start there, you get the odds, but think about the risks, right? Your average life expectancy is an average. Half the time you made it there, half the time you did it. And it's not like you live exactly 22 years and then there you go on your birthday, you're gone. You might die before your average life expectancy. You might live longer than your average life expectancy. So you have to think about the risk on both sides of it because chances are you're not actually gonna live to your life expectancy. It averages out. And just like the stock market, you almost never see the averages. Chances are you'll die before or after your actual life expectancy. Mm -hmm. So think about those risks. What if you die before then? What's gonna happen to your pension and social security to your surviving spouse? Or maybe you're single and you don't have a surviving spouse. Or maybe what's gonna be the value of the money left over if you do die sooner than expected and that would be passed on to your beneficiaries. What if you live longer than you expected, right? How long will your money last uh, is step one. And if all of a sudden your assumption about how long you need it to last is completely wrong, like there's a risk there. So you gotta think through and say, when I'm hitting retirement, what are the risks uh, of dying too soon? What are the risks of living too long? And one thing that's very important too, is if there's two of you, and a lot of people hit retirement when there's two of you, you've gotta think about this thing called joint longevity. It's not, here's what a male might live to, here's what a female might live to, okay, the female might live a couple more years. No, it's what are the odds that both of you are gone? Because it's harder for two people to die than one person to die. Mm. And so when you're approaching this longevity issue and you're getting this probability, it is about you individually, but it's almost more importantly, I'd say it is more importantly about how long is the joint longevity? When will the first person likely pass away? When will the second person likely pass away? And those are things that we're looking at and helping people out. If you're doing it on your own, best place to go is longevityillustrator.org. We'll put a, a link in the show notes, uh, but that's a, a great place to start. So number one, figure out how long your money might last, but oh my goodness, there's a whole lot of assumptions in there. Number two, one of the most important assumptions to look at is what is your life expectancy? What is your longevity in retirement? Mm-hmm. Now, the third conversation is something that so many people come to us with where they're wondering, 
I can get a certain dollar amount, like a thousand dollars a month out of my pension, or I can get three hundred thousand dollars. I can get mm. this lump sum payout, or I can get the monthly annuity pension. Which one's better? Right? It's tough to say unless you use some math. And someone you've probably heard of before, Edmund Halley, who was famous for finding a comment. For some reason, he was also very interested in figuring out how much pensions are worth. Maybe he was going to get a pension, and he's trying to figure out, is this a worthwhile thing to get a lump sum or not? But whatever math he was smart enough to figure out uh, where these comments were going, he used some of that math to figure <laughs> out what's a pension worth. And that's what we encourage people to do. They walk in all the time and say, should I get $1,000 a month from this pension, or should I get like two hundred grand, whatever that number is? Well, those are two different things. Those are... Even though they're in dollars, it's like you're comparing apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. Or I like to compare it. It's like two different currencies. If somebody says you can get 10 Mexican pesos or $1, which one's better? I don't know. We have to do an exchange rate. We have to translate those into the same exact uh, currency so we can make an actual comparison. Yeah, so that's, that's a what great we, analogy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's it's trying to it's a, it's a tough one because it's just two different things. And we've got to figure out how to understand where we're at, where we have to talk through and, and make an actual comparison. You cannot compare a monthly amount versus a month lump sum. You have to translate one or the other so that you can see the value of the lump sum in terms of monthly or the value of the monthly amount in terms of the lump sum. And then you can finally do it. So we're doing well, that stuff Jeremy, all the time for people. Yeah. Well, I was just going to bring that up is because you and I have talked on this podcast before that you have worked within multiple companies as far as worked with people that work in multiple companies like We Energies, we've, we've talked about, Harley Davidson, you've talked about, and they're completely different companies. I'm assuming, and, and if I remember right, you said even within those companies, people have different plans depending on when they were hired, what package mm -hmm. they were part of. And so, I mean, they could have completely different guarantees. I mean, there's so much to unpack there that what do you suggest people bring in when they do have this question? I mean, they've got to have some sort of documentation, right? Yeah, it's it's better than the documentation. It's just having your login info because so many of these places will allow you to model your benefits. Uh, and almost okay. all the time when somebody says, oh, I, I have my pension options, they almost always have, well, what if I work until I'm 55 and retire at 55? Mm. Or what if I work until 60 and retire at 60 and take the pension at 60? those aren't necessarily all the options, right? You could work until 55, but not take your pension right away. You could wait one year. You could wait two years. Who knows? You could wait 15 years. And if we get into that system, we can make all those assumptions for you. And so many people just print off the one piece of paper. And if we're lucky, they'll print off maybe the next option. Like what if they wait one year or what if they wait mm -hmm. five years? We want to look at what if you wait all the years? And it's, a lot of these pensions have to do with your birthday. So you might be wanting to retire in May, but your birthday's in June. And you, you should look at least between May and July, right? There might be, I don't know, until you look at it, there might be a huge difference between taking the pension one month early versus one month after your, yeah. your birthday. And so going in there with a professional that knows to look for all the options, knows to, to test between before birthday, after birthday, you know, before the end of the year, after the end of the year, there's all these different variables that might come into play. And even though we always ask and try to get this thing called a summary plan description, which describes how the pension is calculated, it's almost all the time easier to figure out how does the pension work by just doing these different assumptions that we go through. 
because then we can see the patterns and we can understand really quickly without reading through 30 pages of legalese of, okay, it does get higher if you wait till after your birthday, or it does work out better if you hit another calendar year or another working year, things like that. And so just having an open mind that an advisor is going to come in and look at all the different options, that's really what you need even more so than just your one printout saying, I'm getting 2000 bucks when I turn 65. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our 5-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com Use the number or spell it out. You'll get there either way. Fivestepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening. And now for the rest of the show. All right. So we've gone through, or this is the middle one. What is your proper spending rate? People ask us that all the time. Where, how much can I take out of here? And there's this like 4% rule, things like this. person named Irving Fisher took a look and figured this out. But what's interesting about figuring it out is there's so many things that come into it. If you think I'm going to have a million dollars and I take 40000 a year out of that, that's a 4% rate that I'm taking out. Well, that's that's nice, but now we've got to account for inflation because whatever I'm gonna buy today for forty grand is gonna likely cost more next year for whatever that amount's gonna mm-hmm. be. So we've got to account for inflation like you mentioned earlier. Then there's something that's interesting and in that people usually prefer their money up front versus later on, right? And you've got to kind of equalize that out where can I get $100 today or $105 next year? And that's called the the discount rate. Basically, you're saying, if you're going to give me the money a year from now instead of today, you better give me something extra. Yeah. And <laughs> trying to figure that out is is what is, what's the value of somebody giving you $100 today or whatever that amount is later on. I like how Moshi called it. It's really, it's not your discount rate or your growth rate, it's your rate of patience. Like, how patient are you? Yeah. So you're trying to figure out what Irving Fisher called is this discount rate, but a better term is really more what Moshi called it, what's your rate of patience? Mm-hmm. Like, are you better off with $100 today or $105 down the road? And the more patient you are, it's kind of like how much willing your willingness you take for the money right now. Someone says, I'll give you $100 down the road. If you're not patient at all, you might take $50 today. If you're very patient, you might say, oh, you know, I can wait for the $100, but mm-hmm. you know what, if you give me 99, like I'll take it today, right? It's figuring out your rate of patience. The technical term is called your discount rate. And I'll go back to that first part of it where your Excel spreadsheet, you've got a lot of the stuff plugged in. And here, some people do have inflation rate. Some people do have a assumed growth rate, which a f- fancy term for that is discount rate. But here's where I think uh, Irving Fisher really got uh, into it is these next two things is what is the probability of you surviving to the next year? Like, I'd like to see one client spreadsheet take that into account to say, okay, I, I have a million dollars and I'm planning on taking out 40 grand a year and here's inflation, things like that. It'll work great for 30 years. Okay, well, when you account for all this, you've got to understand that you might not make it till next year. And if you do make it to next year, you might not make it to the next year after that. It's just amazing these uncertainties because you've got to plan for these different things. Mm -hmm. Or even if you do 
account for that. Even if you do believe like, hey, I've got it figured out that you know, maybe I'll make it one year or two years or three years, I've got the probabilities in there. Well, what is your own attitude to say, you know, I'm worried about living too long. So because of that, I'm going to not spend as much right away. Or the opposite, I'm worried I won't live that long. And so because of that, I prefer to spend money right now. It's just amazing the different factors that need to go into here. We talked about growth rate earlier. We talked about inflation. Now we're adding in, what's the probability of you surviving for another year? And then what's your attitude towards longevity? Where are you more worried about running out of money later on? Or are you more worried about not having enough fun right now? And so that's a, it's, it just shows how complex retirement planning is. I think that's a good reason to put it right there in the middle and mm-hmm. say, here we go. We're, we're getting to all the complexity here. And hey, you, you should have these conversations. Think about what your probability is of maybe making it one more year. Think about would you rather end up to where you have money later on in life or would you rather spend more now? Those are big conversations, things you ought to be looking at and factoring into your plan. All right, we're on to number five, which is somewhat of an easier one where it's basically saying, how much should I have set aside in the stock market versus how much should I have set aside in the uh, safe cash area? And this person, Paul Samuelson, he came up with it. And what he was so good at though, is so many people think about their wealth in terms of how much do I have in the bank? How much do I have in investments? And he really, really brought up this idea called human capital. What are you worth, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're probably wealthier than you think. And a lot of that has to do with you're somebody that's working and you have a salary that's gonna come in at some point and that's actually worth something. Uh, even if you aren't working, like you're worth something too because you might have a pension. Like when you, when that pension, or I'm sorry, when, when you die, that pension dies. Mm-hmm. When you die, that social security goes away. Like there's a huge value to that called human capital and you've gotta keep that in mind. It's, it's so interesting that a lot of people might look at their investments to say, I need to bring my risk down because what if the stock market goes up and down? Well, you're, uh, you're a government worker, so you have a pretty close to guaranteed job, you have a pretty close to guaranteed pension, and you have a pretty close to guaranteed Social Security later on, right? Those are all things that are kind of like a bond, almost like safe cash. And so Paul Samuelson would encourage you, um, and there's uh, books out there called Are You a Stock or a Bond that kind of reference this whole idea that if you're somebody that because of how your employment is set up and perhaps how young you are and and things like that, where you've got a lot of guarantees kind of built into yourself, you can take on a little bit more risk in the stock market. Meanwhile, what if you're somebody that doesn't have a pension and you're a salesperson and oh my goodness, uh, if you don't sell something, you, uh, you don't get income that day. Your employment, your human capital is pretty risky and maybe you ought to account for that when you're evaluating your investments. And that's what's so interesting about retirement planning, financial planning, investments in general, is it's not just about one thing. It's not just about what your decision is in the stock market. It's about how does everything affect each other? And it's it's great to have included in here that your salary, your pension, your social security, these things are valuable and you ought to incorporate that value when you're looking at how do you go about making your investment decisions. All right. 
Number six. Number six is what is your financial legacy today? A guy named Solomon Hebner, where he figured out what is the value of insurance, basically? What is, how much does it take to get a half million dollar death benefit 20 years from now? And what premium amount, like what does the insurance premium have to be uh, to make that happen over the next 20 years? And what's the value of it today? Like, would you rather have 500000 down the road or maybe $300,000 today? What he's really trying to figure out is this thing called human life value. Kind of like what the situation is with how does your employment, how does your situation affect your investments? It's almost the same thing of, hey, you are worth something being alive. I think most people agree with that. And you're worth something being alive financially. And if there's people that rely on you, how do you come up with that value of, of how much you can support people when you're no longer here? And that's very important while you're working, trying to decide how much life insurance to get. It's even very valuable in retirement saying, what's your legacy going to be? A lot of people enter retirement with some money and they've got this thought that at the end of my retirement, I want to leave some money to my kids. Well, think through that of like, how much do you want to leave to the kids? And are you thinking of it in terms of a value down the road? Because if so, you need to kind of discount that and account for it today. Saying, I want to leave, you know, 500 grand to my kids at the end of my end of my life. Okay, well, that might be 25 years from now. So that means you may want to have a level of life insurance or a level of money set aside to let's just call it like 300 grand. You want to have enough money set aside today so that you can get what you want to have happen in the future. And that's called your, your human life value. It's kind of incorporating this idea that your value is amazingly high in general, just as a human being. But hey, we're talking about finances here. How do you translate over to the financial equivalent so that you can protect the people that you want or give the money that you want to the people that you want when you're done with retirement? And that's just something they include in there. What's your financial legacy today? Which brings us to number seven, the final equation where uh, Moshi talks about, is my current plan sustainable? That's important. Hey, <laughs> maybe it took you all six equations, all six conversations to come up with a plan. And then you start retirement and you might have one year, one week, 30 years, who knows how much time you have left. But we've got to figure out, is my current plan sustainable? And uh, a scientist, uh, actually a physics, uh, physics person, that's name is Kalmogorov, I hope I said that correctly, where he figured this all out. And what's so interesting, I loved that he mentioned that this is a physicist. I was a physics major back in college. So love the intersection here between physics and finance. But really what happened with this final equation and why Moshi put it in there as the last thing to figure out in your retirement is it brings it all together. And so it's just a great summary. We're going to talk through this, this summary of things to keep in mind when you're hitting retirement. Is Number one, how long will your money last? Now, that's based on a fixed, constant, never-changing rate of interest. Mm -hmm. So that's only a starting point. And that how long might your money last feeds right into the second thing to think about, which is your human life expectancy is random, but you can kind of quantify that. You can figure out some probabilities, and you can think through the risks of what if you don't make it to your life expectancy, and what if you make it farther. And then step three is, well, what's the value of any pension annuity you might have. A lot of people still are retiring today with a monthly annuity and they can decide how much is that worth. You can even use that 
information to decide should you take Social Security later on or earlier. Those are hugely important things. Step four, the conversation to think of, think of is should I be spending money now or later? And it's a bit of do I get more worried about running out of money and being 85 or 90 without the money that I want? Or do I worry about, oh my goodness, I didn't get to spend the time and the money on the things I wanted to do right now. It's a trade-off. It's mm -hmm. somewhat your rate of patience, but it's also a trade-off between what do you value more? The kind of the fear of running out of money or the fear of missing out right when you're maybe at 60 or so as you're starting into retirement. The fifth conversation and way to approach your retirement is to think about the stock market and how much risky stock you should have versus safe cash or safer bonds. And don't just think of it in just the one single-minded area that so many people look at where this is just the investments, it's just the up and down there. No, incorporate everything else into it. Incorporate your human capital into that of here's the value of my salary for the next few years. Here's the value of my pension. Here's the value of my social security and incorporate that all together when you're making decisions in the investment world. The sixth equation is saying, okay, what's the value of a death benefit in the future? Which could be saying, you know, how much insurance should I have while I'm working? Or maybe should I have some insurance right now as I'm retired? But it could also be saying, how much do I want to have set aside in the future for my relatives, you know, for my beneficiaries, for my charities or my kids? Think about that and incorporate that, put that into the equation too to saying, if I want to have a legacy, what's the value of that legacy? And how do I bring that into my retirement planning? And the last equation, which is putting it all together, is just saying, assuming you have a plan and there's all those uncertainties we just talked about, let's account for all those. What is the probability that it's going to last? What's the probability it's sustainable? Now, Moshi very, very much uh, said, solving for this idea of getting your probability of ruin as low as possible is something you should not bother with, right? It's that whole, you're using the wrong math to, to solve for this equation, but it's still important. It's still good to understand, hey, I've got a 2% chance of this working out, or I've got like an 80% chance mm -hmm. of this working out. And what was interesting about what he pointed out, what Moshi pointed out in his uh, talk there, is there's really not much difference between an 80% chance of success in retirement versus a 99% chance of success in retirement. And his example he gave is, okay, let's say we're all, we are all at a conference at the time. Let's say you get on the airplane and the person says, the pilot gets on and says, hey, we're heading out to your destination and don't worry, you've got a 99% chance of, retire, of, uh, of getting there, right? <laughs> you get on the airplane and you have anything less than 100% chance of making it to your destination, you don't get on the airplane. And a lot of people take that approach when it comes to retirement, like I've just got to get to a hundred percent chance of certainty. And what's so great about a lot of these uh, equations and the software, they'll never show you a hundred percent chance. Like they'll mm -hmm. just show you 99% because they'll throw in there. Like there's always something that could happen. And it's just so interesting because let's just, let's just go with a 90% chance of probability. I said, let's just say you've got your retirement all set up. You got a 90% chance of success. What that really means is usually they'll do 10,000 different scenarios, but let's just say it's 100. Let's just say there's 100 scenarios where things go up and down all the time and 90% of the time it worked out. Well, what that really means is one time out of 100, it worked out exactly. 89 times out of 100, 
uh, you actually spent too little. Like you could have spent more, but you didn't. Mm. And then the remaining 10 times, yes, you ran out of the money at some point in time, but at that exact point, you're, that number doesn't tell you, well, did you miss it by a dollar? Like if you're planning on a hundred grand a year for life and you missed it by a dollar, guess what? That's showing up in the failure category. Oh. So we encourage everyone that probability stat, when you see 90% chance of success, in reality, it's a, it's a 1% chance of success. Like one time out of a hundred, it worked out exactly the way you thought. 89 times out of a hundred, you could have spent more and you didn't. And then really those 10 times out of a hundred where it didn't work out, like how much did it not work out by? Because mm -hmm. if you missed it mm -hmm. just slightly, you know, who cares? And that's why uh, we love these ideas that called dynamic uh, spending in retirement. We had a, uh, we had a podcast just recently with the founder of Income Laboratory. We'll link to that in the show notes that talks about the idea of let's figure out how do you adjust your plan in retirement? Mm -hmm. Yes, this is a great starting point. This idea of how likely are you going to make things work out? Great starting point. But if most of the time you underspent, well, how can we safely increase our spending to get to, to where we're going to be? And if some of the time you ran out of money, well, how can we adjust it in a way that isn't very much harmful to your income, but still make sure you can live on a, a amount of income later on? How do we adjust things? It's more about what's your plan for adjustment than just saying, oh, I got this exact number as high as possible, because that's just the wrong thing to be solving yeah. for. Yeah. Yep. Well, Jeremy, I mean, you, again, you have these conversations all the time and that's what this entire podcast seems to be is all about the conversations. There's seven great points. So how do people reach you? How, how do people reach out and have this conversation with you? Yeah. Love to, love to talk with you. We've had so many people that are uh, emailing us, booking calls in our calendar so we can have some conversation with them where it's more of a question that, that just needs a phone call instead of an email. But yeah, please email us Jeremy at KyleFP.com, J-E-R-E-M-Y at keilfp.com or come to our website. It's retirement-revealed.com and I'll take you right to our, our podcast website there. You can send us a note. You can see some more things that are on there. You can even uh, book a time for a phone call. I'd love to talk with you for 15 minutes or so and just see what questions we can we can answer. Nice. Good. Well, thank you, Eric, for, for coming on. It's always more fruitful to have kind of a, a foil, if we want to call it that. That's uh, <laughs> have somebody uh, in the conversation as opposed to just uh, talking to thin air. So th thank you for uh, your help there. That's no, fun. Always fun, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And thank you too for listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed Podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.